I am. And this am. is Go Yard. And this is Go Yard. And Go Yard means what? Hitting the home run in life. Yes. And why do we want to do that when it comes to our lives? Oh, my goodness. So Besides many of us. the fact of how wonderful baseball is. But we'll get to that. But go ahead. <laughs> so many of us are walking through this life and we're just kind of existing and hitting that home run in life that makes us live and thrive, not just survive. Thrive and not just survive. Learning to cope. Learning to handle our problems better. Uh, life coaching, some counseling. That's what this show's all about. Almost in our seventh year. I know, right? Two weeks. We'll celebrate our our seventh anniversary or sixth anniversary. Sixth anniversary. Yes. Starting our seventh year. Right. So that's pretty wild. Uh, speaking of baseball, because that's how we named this show, right? Yes, Which it is. means hitting a home run in life, right? Our Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> Oh, my. They are amazing. As of last night's win, they were two and a half games ahead of anybody in the American League East. And that was, did I hear a, the crack of a bat there, yes, Tommy? Yes, All right. Uh, nice sound effect there. And uh, that means the Yankees, two and a half games ahead of the Yankees. They were the next closest to them. And uh, uh, unbelievable. And they are playing so well. How awesome. Yeah. That is I awesome. I know. You've been working evenings. You haven't, I been, haven't able been able to watch, to watch. But I have been <laughs> able to watch some here and there. At least pick up on the highlights. And so that's exciting. So how does that translate to our daily lives, Dr. Angel? Oh, that translates a lot. So, you know, hitting those home runs in life is doing this life in a way that's meaningful and purposeful in a way that we feel content about our everyday life. Meaningful and purposeful. Why does that matter? Because I know a whole lot of people, and you can answer that question just a moment who just go through life just paddling along and they're not looking for meaning or purpose well you know it's kind of like getting in your car and driving without having a destination ah oh that's good you just kind of are meandering and wondering and you're never getting anywhere and that's exhausting after a while and we start to feel anxious and depressed because we have really no direction in where we're going it kind of reminds me of the old days when we had to look at a map but you still at least had a map for direction. <laughs> but you had right? a map, right. So you're talking about times in our lives where we are just coasting along, uh, getting up, going to work, or whatever the case may be, just living life and not really trying to accomplish any particular goals in our lives. Sure. And then, you know, we re- it starts to really mess with us a little bit, and we start feeling anxious and worried about what's ahead because we really aren't planning for it and we start to feel depressed because we kind of feel like our our existence doesn't mean anything or why are we here or what's going like we start getting in that mindset of questioning which 
really messes with their minds. It does. And I think that a lot of people begin to start reflecting on things like that when they hit milestone birthdays. Oh, like yes. 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, yes. 90. Right? Yes. And they begin to think, oh my, there's another decade just gone by. In a blink of an eye, gone. Yeah. And I am I doing what I really want to do with my life? So Go Yard is a show about living your best life and fulfilling your God-given purpose and also processing your life in such a way that you are not striking out all the time with every decision or every problem or you don't get involved with the wrong people over and over and over again right it we've had a lot of off. shows about that it gets you off the merry-go-round of the same problems and the same mistakes and the same obstacles over and over it really it does yes last year we did a series and you go to our website goyard2014.org it's an org website so goyard2014 that's the year we started dot org and look for the series because they have titles red flag blindness and how does that tie into what we're talking about right now in this series which is pandemic fallout well, red flag blindness is blinders is really about helping to identify obstacles before their problems and, okay. and get proactive instead of reactive. Right, exactly. So that series is all about relationships, yes. and that could help a lot of people. But um, tonight we are part three of this pandemic fallout, and really last week we started talking about how this is affecting children. Yes, uh, children in your home, children perhaps under your care, whether you're a school teacher or or a grandparent, or whatever your case may be, this pandemic is affecting not just adults. Absolutely. Our kids are really affected by this, and we're seeing a huge spike in childhood anxiety through this. Yes, Um, yes. And it's manifesting itself in many ways, from social anxiety to separation anxiety to generalized to full-on panic attacks. Well, and you would know because you're in private practice, right? Yes. And you deal with, I, in fact, you have an area in your office where there's a little play area where kids can actually play and you can observe them and things like that, right? Yes. Yeah. So um, in your private practice, um, has this been a problem over the last several months with COVID? Yes, a huge spike with anxiety. And and we talked about it last week, but I'm going to just kind of give a quick snippet is that anxiety in childhood usually manifests itself in external behaviors okay. that are defiant, that are oppositional, maybe, right. that okay. might be talking back, uh, full on tantrums that are hard, that don't seem to have a trigger and are hard to resolve. Right. Um, Do we call those meltdowns? Oh, meltdowns, yes. What's tantrums. the difference between a meltdown and a tantrum? Well, you know, I kind of use meltdowns as kids get older because we typically think of tantrums and little young kids. Oh, okay. All right. Um, So it's kind of a little more specialized word for the older kids. But they are. They're experiencing all kinds of, I mean, the change has hit them in a way, and their brain isn't developed. And so it it doesn't know what to do with the information. And so fear sets in. Fear. And don't you think a lot of parents feel... Um, that they they are just uh, like, eh, well, the kids will be okay. Kind of a, a 
a lackadaisical attitude, perhaps, of, you know, they're kids. Yeah, they're going to experience They'll some things. They'll bounce back. They'll yeah. bounce back. They're just little. They don't really know what's going on. Right. They don't know. And that is a really big misconception because kids, first of all, are super intuitive. They do yes. know. Yes. They may not know the whole truth, but they know things are happening. And they know it's kind of scary because they see it impacting huge areas of their life, their socialization, their education, their all everything that their life was in February is not how their life is today. So a lot of them are no longer in their little uh, play groups or in Sports preschool or, or their baseball. Yeah, we missed the whole baseball season with a couple of my grandsons this year. And that was, you know, I've always looked forward to that. And that didn't happen. And and then you have the little guys who no longer have their play group, you yes. know, right now. Um, and so it's, it's kind of naive of adults, I think, or... Well, maybe naive isn't the right word uh, to to think that the kids are not affected by these months long now pandemic that we have been in and still are in. Right? Absolutely. And they are. And it, it's manifesting in lots of ways that can be very disruptive to um, to the family. And it gets overwhelming. And parents who are already stressed aren't sure how to handle with all this behavior. And so they kind of, they, they get overwhelmed quickly and think, oh, they know better or they should just knock it off or stop doing it, but they don't realize what's driving it. I would guess, if I had to guess, that there's a lot of households across our nation, maybe across the world, where uh, the the parents' fuse is rather short now. Oh yes, very short. And, and you're in the clinical aspect of it, so you can you can verify that or not. But I would think that because we as adults are having a hard time being stuck indoors or having to remember to grab a mask or or not having parties, birthday parties, family gatherings like we used to do, um, that that is transferring over to the kids. I mean, uh, yes, it, it that is. they are perceiving something is not quite right. Exactly. And, you know, this week um, was the first week of school here in our county. And I have had a couple phone calls from parents who are really stressed. Uh, kids who don't want to go to school and are like literally like getting sick and yes. vomiting in the yes. morning because they're yeah. afraid. They haven't been in five and a half months and they know there's this disease and they've heard whatever they've heard through right. news or conversations of adults or whatever they've taken in from social media or YouTube or TikTok or whatever they're on these days uh, to entertain themselves. And they're afraid. Right. And so we're going to talk a little bit about two parents and grandparents, caregivers, etc. You may want to grab a pen or a pencil. As always, tonight we have, we're live on Facebook and you can actually uh, send your questions right there live if you would like. And by, and just so go to Dr. Angel's page or mine, Marsha McAllister, and feel free to Write those questions down and ask us, or even just a comment is great, too. Or if you want to call in, you can. That number is right here, front and center, 727-441-3000, and Tommy will patch you through to us. Um, realistic expectations of kids. I think this is a big problem with a lot of adults right now. They, I, I guess... I guess this is my impression, so I'm asking you as the healthcare PhD licensed mental health counselor professional, are kids um, realizing that uh, parents maybe perhaps are ex expecting them to react in a more adult way than they can at this point? 
Um, well, not even that they're acting more in an adult way than we can. So for kids, when they start experiencing anxiety and fear and worry at this prolonged level for this period of time, they actually kind of lose, they, they start acting more immature. Okay. So that nine-year-old who before this happened, who was socializing and acting and behaving like a nine-year-old and remembering to brush his teeth and taking care of his chores and doing those things, now may be acting more like a four or five-year-old okay. and have those types of emotional needs as a four or five-year-old. And this is frustrating for parents because they look at this child and you're this nine-year-old or 10-year-old or whatever, but you're acting like you're four or five, so stop it. And this is a common problem, isn't yes. it? It is. So there's regression in some of these kids. There's also perhaps attention getting to they, they want yes. to feel safe. They want to feel that everything's not as crazy as it is. Yes. Right. And so I tell parents, so my rule of thumb um, is whatever your child's age is chronologically, cut that in half when they're experiencing chronic stress like this, because they're going to act about half their age really? emotionally. Really? Mm-hmm. And you're seeing that in your practice? Oh, yes. All the time. Okay, um, so we gotta we've got to make some allowances for the children, right? Yes, we do. Whether that is you're a teacher out there or a grandparent or a parent or whatever, there has to be some give and take here, more so than normal. Sure, and we have to kind of step back a little bit. So. Um, maybe we are using um, small manageable goals for our kids. So instead of expecting them to remember all the things that they were, should be responsible for to do on their own, maybe we ha- we're setting up tools to help remind them or to help um, have a flow. That's been one of the big things that's happened through this pandemic is schedules that we had predictable are no longer in existence. They're and now there. there's more changes <laughs> as schools coming either online at home or back in person. And it's really, there's that lack of predictability. Did we kind of get a break in the summer perhaps where everybody was home and that was a normal thing for summer anyway? Well, sort of because, but not really because our summer camps really weren't oh, operating. Oh, summer camps weren't, no. Sports weren't sports operating. Were, yeah, and true. Clubs and all those things that kids typically, like there was a long period of time you couldn't even go to a playground here. Like, right, they're all yes. roped off. So right. like those were normal summer activities that a lot of kids couldn't do. Vacations, those types of things didn't happen. Right. So yes, there was a little bit of that normalcy with summer, but it was not a normal summer. It was not. And don't don't you wonder how many of these kids everywhere experienced a lot of anxiety with going back to school and wondering how that was going to, because that's not a normal situation. Like my grandson that's Grant, that's seven, I mean, in seventh grade, he goes twice a week, two days a week. And Mason goes every day, but, you know, desks are all spread out and, you know, it's a whole lot different situation, you know. And everything is, and, and then some, having to wear masks. And for some kids, that can be very anxiety inducing oh, as yeah. well. Sure. And it's uncomfortable and having this thing across and your ears start to hurt and it's hard to breathe and you get really hot. And that also increases more of that negative behavior sure. and those panic symptoms. Right. And so for parents and grandparents and, and workers out there that are dealing with this kind of thing, um, we've got to respect what they're feeling, right? What these kids are going through and, and actually anticipate that they may need to talk about their feelings. Yes. And a lot of parents are not good, I don't think, about drawing out, hey, let's talk about this. Or they just toe the line, junior, you know, sit in your chair, quit quit yelling, all that. Well, here's the deal. A lot of parents want to try and kind of use this, like, adult, logical kind of conversation when we're dealing with our kids and their feelings. But right. they can't do that. 
okay. when they are having big feelings, especially like fear and anxiety. And so the language of helping our kids, I think a lot of parents want to be able to communicate with their kids. They just don't know what how to do it. Right. And so the language of kids is through play and then getting in their world. And so it's you know, hanging out and taking your son playing basketball or sitting down on the video game or, you know, watching YouTube and kind of talking like, oh, having those natural conversations, but in their world where it's not like, let's use logic and, you know, the lecture type parent, that's not going to work right now. With my little grandsons, the world is whippy. I don't know if you know who Blippi is. I do not. (laughs) Oh, Blippi's a fascinating guy. He really is. And uh, Yes. So so you do have to kind of get into their world, right? And that's the thing. The parent wants to bring the child into their world to deal with Uh, it. Explain that, because I, I have seen that, and I... And the problem with that is that a lot of adults are experiencing anxiety, too, and thinking, when is this going to be over? When am I going to get back to my normal life? When can I go this, go do that, right? Sure. And a lot of times parents feel like if I don't know these kinds of answers, we can't have these kind the conversations with our kids, right. so we ignore it. Okay. But yeah, a lot of parents want to bring their child into the parents' world, meaning we're going to sit on the couch and we're going to have this logical conversation and you're going to hear my lecture about what's happening and why it's not okay. And the child is just hearing like the peanuts, wah, wah, wah. They can't register that. Right. The parent has to take the responsibility and get into the child's world wherever they are comfortable functioning, if it's video games or uh, play or outside activity get in Take their a walk. world yeah because it naturally and open the door right and asking those open-ended questions like how are you doing or what do you think about what's happening or what do you know and let them share that back so we are making a safe space for this dialogue yes and so a lot of kids probably are not talking though about it right they're not aware let's say the three the four the five the six-year-olds there's not going to be a lot of awareness of what is different although they know something is different right they do but you'll see it come out like in their play and so as we we talk and play play-doh or slime like some things are coming out and and maybe they don't understand but that gives a parent an opportunity to know what their child thinks is going on. So right. maybe we can help them in an age and developmental appropriate way kind of get a handle on that. So let's be real practical here. How do you deal with a three-year-old who's having a meltdown? Uh-huh. Well, first of all, the, the whole goal when we have meltdowns is not to correct the behavior. It's to help bring them back to calmness. And so okay. a lot of times parents... That's a good point. Yeah, That's really a good so point. So a meltdown, as soon as they hit tantrum stage, meltdown stage that point the parent's job is to help that child come back down to a calm state and that might mean sitting on the floor and just holding them and rocking them it might mean just using a very quiet voice quiet voice you have to be regulated to regulate your child oh oh hey wait wait a minute there you go that's a bell ringer what do you mean by you have to be regulated to regulate your child because i agree with that well, I'm glad you agree with I it do. because Tonight, you know, neuroscience proves it. That's so, right. Um, no, that's good. But oftentimes when a, a child has a tantrum or a meltdown, the parent gets loud, right? They have to kind of overtake this child to right. kind of get to feel heard, which then makes the child's tantrum become more extreme. And then the okay. parent has to take that next step up. And so we have this climbing of out of control and before long. It's Acceleration. Accelerating. So when a child's hitting tantrum, the first thing the parent needs to do is 
take their volume and their tone of voice and take it slower. Way down. Okay. A child's brain will regulate to the parent's brain. So when the parent's brain's high, the child's brain's going over that because it's in survival mode. It feels it's unsafe and it's going into that survival mode. And probably does the child feel that nobody's understanding them and nobody's hearing them? Yes, and they feel like danger's happening, so they're trying to survive in that moment. Remember, their brains can't process things, so when they feel unsafe, like they're going in to protect, their brain goes into that fight-flight mode to stay safe. And so a parent brings their voice toned down, uses very few words, soft words, maybe is sitting on the floor with them. We call that a time in where we're sitting together. Time in. Time I like in. that. So we're not sending the child away. I know away. all about time out. <laughs> yes. So time out's about sending the child away to cope with the problem on their okay, own. Okay. Right. Time in is about, I'm going to sit here and cope with you through this problem. I'm helping you cope. Right. So it sends a message of you're safe. So it's not advisable then if the child's in a tantrum to go lock him in his room. Not at all. We're going to talk more about that in just a moment. Don't forget where we're at, Dr. Angel. Okay. Uh, Before we go to to break, Tommy, uh, Angel has a very close friend who has, well, you explain why why you are reading this commercial. Sure. I have a commercial for my good friend, Mac Funk, with Mac Funk Inspections. Uh, He offers buyer's inspections and pre-sale inspections, insurance inspections. House inspections, right? Yep. House inspections, four-point wind, roof certifications. He's got 30 years of home improvement and industry experience and you can count on his quality inspections to deliver the results to help make you make an educated decision regarding your investment mac funk inspections quality inspecting to protect your investing yes call today and set up an inspection at 727-999-0098 wow okay there you go Dr. Angel Falzoni specializes in a variety of therapeutic areas including trauma, depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, stress management, 
self-esteem, interpersonal relationships, ADHD, behavioral addictions, as well as spirituality issues. A Florida native, she holds multiple degrees, including a bachelor's in education and philosophy, a master's of arts in professional counseling and marriage and family therapy, and a PhD in psychology. Dr. Angel is also a Florida licensed mental health counselor. She has worked with youth and adolescents for 14 plus years and has worked extensively in women's mental health for the past six years. She has worked in agencies providing mental health services to family and youth at high risk. Dr. Angel is an accomplished psychotherapist who works with children, teens, adults, couples, and families. Dr. Angel has advanced training and experience in working with LGBTQ-specific individuals and issues. Dr. Angel can help you. Just call for an appointment at 727-501-6557 or online at drangelsdevelopment.com. Dr. Angel Falzoni, support for individuals, couples, and families. 727-501-6557. Prompt professional service is what you will receive when you allow Marsha McAllister of Charles Rittenberg Realty to help find that perfect home or list your home for sale. With over 23 years of experience in the Tampa Bay area, you will enjoy a smooth transaction from start to finish. Call Marsha today at 727-417-0707. Now is a great time to buy or sell a home. Call Marsha McAllister at 727-417-0707. This is the Talk Radio Network. Good song. Okay, welcome back to the second half of Pandemic Fallout. Uh, number three, where we've been on this series for a couple weeks here. We're talking about children, and we're glad you're joining us. We are on Facebook Live on Dr. Angel's page or mine, and you can go there and write any questions or comments you'd like to do on Facebook Live right now. If you would like to do that or call in at 727 441 3,000. Um, there's also here on TantalkNetwork.com, you can go to podcasts and go to the name of this show, Go Yard, and catch a lot of our shows from the last several years. Yes. Uh, those don't have titles on, but in our website, on our website, GoYard2014.org, those do have titles. So yes, you can they do. check those out. So we're talking about kids and how they're impacted by this pandemic right now. And we left off talking about time in versus time out. Yes. Why would a child, three, four, five, six, whatever age it is, two, uh, need a time in? And how, do the, how does a parent or, or a child care worker deal with that? And why would that be a good thing? Sure. So time ins are really impact it's not about changing behavior or punishing so like timeouts more kind of it's punitive it's a consequence for negative behavior. a timeout yes uh, a time in is letting that child know especially when they're feeling anxious or worried or fearful i am here to help you work through your problems so right. we're not sending them away to figure out their problem on their own which they can't do that's why they're having meltdowns and tantrums and negative behaviors we're letting them know I'm a safe space and we're going to work this together and it helps them to 
find that calm space. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to address whatever negative behavior happened, but we're not doing that in this moment. In fact, brain science tells us it can take over two hours for a child's brain to actually go back to its baseline after it's had a tantrum. Yes. So during that time, there's no point in trying to reason with them, really. (laughs) No, we're not. And we're not. And our whole goal is just about bringing them back de-escalating to the yes, situation calmness. right okay and so you know and that happens through a parent staying calm and okay. in control of himself or herself or caregiver staying in control first and not screaming and yelling and and having that patience to help that child work through it meaning i'm gonna get in that child's level if that's sitting on the floor or bringing the child on the couch with me or just being next to the child maybe some kids you they don't want you to touch them they start rigid you're getting rigid when they're in that mode maybe i'm just gonna sit next to you but i'm gonna be here to help you work this so this is not a time where you pull out the old paddle not at all not okay you're not you're just you're going to create more fear because because so many uh, parents I think have felt in the past that punishment yes. will get them to shut up. I'm going to whip you, right? You know, and they have all these empty threats. Oh, I'm going to take away your Xbox yeah. for six months, or you're and, never going to. And, and that never happened. They're never going to follow through with <laughs> they're it. They're not going to follow. And through. honestly, the kids can't even hear what you're saying. They don't care. They don't right care now, at that point. Your, their brains they're meltdown. In. They're melting down. Yes. Right. So they may be saying the same thing over and over again, screaming, yes. right? They yes. may be having an unrealistic demand or mm-hmm. like, I want that toy, you know, and like. And, and a lot of times those meltdowns are really over minimal triggers or unidentifiable triggers. And that's because it's not about what just happened in the moment with kids when we have anxiety and fear and worry. It's about that it's kind of the explosion of all that fear and worry building up over the day. Right. So hot spots for kids are usually transition times in the day. So morning routine, after school routine, bedtime routine. Those are times that we see more of those meltdowns. Really? Yes. I would think it would be less because they would return back to their structure or the, what they're used to. Not at all. It's it's those are the hot spot times because we have big transitions happening. So okay. change can be that trigger. Um, and especially in the evening, like they've been building up the stress uh, for the whole sure, day. That makes so sense. It sure. explodes. Explodes, yeah. And suddenly they're just angry and, and crying. And, yes. And oppositional and, and or defiant. Oppositional. And don't you find sometimes, let's say in the three to six-year-olds, let's say, or two to six-year-olds, this is a perfect time where they take it out on a sibling or oh, yes. a toy or an animal where they're mad, they hit something or... Slam the doors, break a toy. Yes. This right. This is definitely when that stuff happens. And so that... But don't get alarmed at that, right? Correct. You have to... You know, deactivate your button. Sure. Because they are acting as if they are in extreme danger. So right. that's why you're getting that behavior. Okay. Even though they are not, their brain doesn't know that. And so right. it's in survival, life threatening survival kind of panic for them. So it's big. But for adults at that time, you're thinking, that shouldn't have upset that kid. Not right? At all. Right. And so they dismiss it and minimize it and then they want to punish it. Okay. And so during the pandemic, and that's why we titled this pandemic fallout, there are fallout consequences for kids in particular, adults too, of course, but uh, just because they are, they're doing some of this kind of stuff more often, perhaps. Absolutely. So, you know, kids who um, struggled with anxiety before the pandemic, it's gotten much worse. For kids who might not have had an issue with it, we're seeing it developing. And it's, because there's so much change unknowns and in a fear-based environment. 
So let's give some, uh, what can we do about this? So let's talk about the time in and then let's give some uh, kind of a pointers or you wrote down a few here. We don't usually even have notes, but we do tonight we because do. you wrote down some things that really help. And so want to go through some of those things. Sure. But when, when you're having the time in instead of the time out and you're sitting there and you are getting on their level or the kid is in your lap or you go to another room to de-escalate the tension from whatever happened in the room, right? Mm-hmm. You, you said right before we went to break, your, your tone of voice is very important, right? Yes. And taking your tone to a low, soft, because they can't be screaming and crying and hear what you say. Right. And so they will start to regulate to the adult. Their brain will start matching the adult. So when the adult's up, they'll match that. When the adult's down, they'll match that. And so okay. the adult sets the tone and has the responsibility here. Okay. And so take it slow. Few words. Their brain really can't handle too much when it's So it's not mode. time for the family lecture? Not at all. They won't hear it at all. And so very simple words. And never use the word why. Do not ask your child why they're doing what they're doing. Now, they that's do not... very, very important because I think parents tend to do that. Why did you hit your brother? Right. What was wrong? What made you mad? And they may not have any they clue. They have no idea. And so right. that's a that can escalate them because they right. do not know. And apparently, so they're like, more you know frustrated, right? Yes, right. They oftentimes don't know, and the reason they do not know is because when that fear hits the brain, it is literally hijacking their brain on them in those okay. moments. So they do not know. They're just they are reacting to that fear stimulus whatever that was that could have just been all day it could have just been all these changes so that's really an excellent point i hope you all wrote that down or thought about that to ask a child at that point during meltdown as you're trying to de-escalate them why did you do that is not going to work no we are not dealing with what happened we are only trying to calm and bring them back so step one calm have a time in calm them down Absolutely. Get down on their level. Actually sit beside them or on the floor with them. Be close. Lower your voice. All those. I hope you're all taking good notes because these are very important things. Um, The the term redirection is very important. And I know that term from years of working with people. But explain that to our audience. Sure. And so when we're redirecting, what we're trying to do is take their attention and focus it to something else. Okay. That might be positive. And so, like, say we have siblings and they're, you know, hitting on each other or pulling each other's toy. Maybe we redirect them to a different activity. And so not every behavior has to have this harsh consequence or punishment to it. Sometimes, especially during times of chronic stress, this is like unprecedented what we're dealing with. We need to have patience as a parent and we need to think of other ways to solve our problems with our kids. Okay. So this is when we are going to get a little more creative and we're going to change some of our normal parenting style because our kids aren't going through a normal experience right now. So to the the person who's, I'll just play devil's advocate, mm-hmm. and they might say, well, that's like rewarding them for bad behavior. <laughs> exactly what I hear all the time. Do and you? it's not. It's helping our children to solve a problem. So it's picking our battles with our kids. Okay. Too. So it's helping them learn that there's other ways we can solve problems. So if I can offer an alternative activity that's going to make this not a problem, then I'm going to do that because right. that's the the goal is to keep peace and calmness. The in goal our environment. is to get back to the peace level, right? Right. right. And so if it's we can not re- to uh, 
punish. Right. And so this is where we have to allow some mistakes. Our kids are going to make mistakes. We're yeah. making mistakes. And so we need to have that patience with them. Yeah, patience. Wow. And so not every behavior needs to warrant this huge consequence or a punishment for it. Right. We need to think of ways that we can achieve our goal of calmness and peaceness and and that environment that's kind of an anxiety fear free zone for our kids. Okay. So how important is routine on a daily basis during the pandemic for children in the home, let alone adults? I mean, how important is routine, consistency, things like that? Vital. 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 Okay. And, you know, and they need to know what that routine and consistency is. And it doesn't mean that, oh, at 6.05 we awake, at 6.10 we brush our teeth. I'm not talking about that. It's not rigid. It's loose. But it has it's a It's not a written uh, schedule on the refrigerator. No, we're not going time to time. But it, they have need to have a general idea. of They should have the same wake time and sleep time. Um, their weekend wake time, sleep time should not vary more than two hours in their school week wake time, sleep time, because we want their body to have that. When we have fear and panic and anxiety, sleep is very hard for children. I have a lot of children not sleeping right now. Really? Or becoming all of a sudden afraid of the dark. Oh, okay. Or, so yeah. that's where the fear might be coming. And right. then, I mean, I had a, I have a child right now. He's 13, and he's showing fear of the dark. And his dad is so angry. And I'm like, give him a nightlight. No, he's 13. My son's not going to need. He doesn't need a nightlight. That's for babies. We we have to give them the tools exactly. to help them get yes. through. So this. we've got to, adults have to be the bigger person, quote unquote, yes. right? We've got to see the big picture of what this. I mean, it's affecting us. And we, you know, and it definitely is affecting our kids. Yes. And they are feeling changes. Yeah. Yes. Let's go back to your sleep thing, because uh, a lot of parents of teenagers in particular allow teens to, like, stay up till four or five in the morning on the weekends. Uh, I'm not exaggerating that at all. I know. And uh, then they sleep till noon or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So then it's very hard to get back up and go to school on a Monday. True. And then we or have, work or whatever they've got going on. Right. And then we have some teams that are doing their school from home and they have a very loose schedule. And so we have to help them have a normalized schedule. Why is that important? First of all, the, we know they're getting their rest. Their, their, right. their brain and body needs rest. That's, yes. That goes without saying. And so when we have a flow of about the same time, it, our body gets in that rhythm. It knows it's coming. It starts to wind down, and they get better quality sleep. Okay. Um, this loosey-goosey, do-whatever-we-want creates more anxiety. It creates more exhaustion. It, uh, they're eating through the night and foods that are also sugar-based Usually or not good for or, them, right. And so that's making the problem bigger. And so what do you say to the parent out there who says, I hear you, Dr. Angel, but, you know, I can't stay up all night and police my kids and get them to bed. I just let them do their thing. Well, because I, I think this is happening. I, is I hear happening. it happening with people. No, I agree with you. It is absolutely happening. And, you know, we as parents, parenting is not a spectator sport. And it is not a spectator sport. It is sport. not. And I tell my parents that all the time. It's very active. And I know a lot of parents have this mindset by the time their kids are teens that their parenting job is done. 
And I believe parenting <laughs> your teen is more work than parenting your two-year-old. I'm just saying. And, and yeah, and sometimes your 21-year-old, right? True. And so <laughs> you have to set the tone of expectation right. in your house. Sure. So clear expectations of, okay, we're changing this. And to the parent who would say, but my kid gets in my face and yells and screams at me and treats me disrespectfully, I'm kind of shifting the conversation to more of, more of a you know, teenager type problem, but they're all the same. I mean, sure. But as a parent, kids feel safe when parents, they know parents have set that tone of that authority and that they're going to protect them. And when a parent has this house running loosey goosey, how can you keep me safe from whatever dangers are out there when we can't have a consistent home? And so they need that consistency. So they need parents to take their authority back, which might mean disconnecting the internet. It might mean taking Xbox or PlayStation remotes with you when you leave the house. It might mean not letting them have their cell phone at night. I'm doing things to promote this is how this is going to happen in this house. Right. And for those of you out there that say that sounds very harsh and very mean as a parent to do that to your teenage kid, what's wrong with that thinking that it's harsh or mean? Well, it's about setting that tone of what's expected in this house. I have... I am making sure this home is running safe and smooth. I'm protecting you from yourself because right. they're, they don't know how to reg- If a teenager could protect themselves, they would be on their own when they're teenagers. They're not. They're legally under parental care. Which brings us back to all the videos that were shown a few months ago, right around Memorial Day, July 4th, with teens everywhere from all over the United States, right here on our beaches in Clearwater Mm -hmm. and St. Pete and everywhere. Um, And, you know, having a good time because they felt totally and completely safe from the virus and you just see accounts i've heard several on on the news shows of young people dying that it's not just an old person disease not at all and so parents have responsibility to to drive that point home don't you think during pandemic pandemic fallout means you might have to get pretty real with your children even your seven and eight and nine year olds the twos and threes don't understand what you're talking about but the others do sure and, and they do. And so under one breath, you know, we're saying we need to have, you know, more patience with our kids and letting them make mistakes. But at the same time, we also need to take the parental authority of setting that expectations that are clear. Right. The You know, there's too many homes where the kids are running the home, not the parent. Right. Um, that's not OK. Um, so the parent needs to take back their position of parenting. So I hear you saying there needs to be some structure. Yes. There needs to be dialogue. Yes. Am I getting that correctly? And that especially when you have younger children in a meltdown situation, although teens can melt down too, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They certainly can. So when you have that kind of thing going on, there must be a realization of, okay, sit down. we got to talk. Well, I don't have time. Mom, I'm going. I'm leaving or whatever the case may be. That, that attitude, that smart attitude that a lot of teens experience there must be a way to cut through that. Sure, there is. And actually, you know, on the, the example you have given wasn't one that I'm seeing as often as it's the parent who doesn't want to put, they're too busy. They're in the middle of cooking dinner when this tantrum happens or they're getting ready to log okay. on to some work thing and they don't have time in the moment to deal with it. And what I'm telling them is you have, 
you have to deal with. You don't have the time not to because it's going to become right. bigger. Um, you know, it's your responsibility. <laughs> you know, and, and that's in the relation quality of the relationship we're building with our kids. We have to invest the time. Right. We have to when our teen is having that moment. Okay, let's just sit. Let's just chill. Let's go sit on the porch. Let's go for a walk around the block. And you know, teens and even even little kids love time with their just their mom yes. or just their dad or the whole family goes you yes. know and takes a walk together and they love that i mean especially when the parents engaging them and say look at that or oh this look at this pretty tree or this flower or do you know the name of this flower or things like that right absolutely and most most of the time from my experience if a parent's like hey let's you know go sit out on the porch or let's go for that walk like when they're seeing their their child's really upset those kids want that time with you yes. and i haven't seen too many of them like flat out reject it unless there was a really broken parent child relationship right for the most part they want cuz that's what they need they need the parent to show that i'm protecting you and helping you and keeping you safe and helping you work through your problems. Exactly. Exactly. We're getting quite a bit of, is there any question there? Do you see any question? If not, that's fine. So what do we do, Dr. Angel, when we have these, these parents who are really too busy in their own minds to deal with meltdowns or deal deal with rebellious kids or the kid that stays out all night and there's there's no consequences because oh, we're in a pandemic and, you know what do you do that kind of an attitude that I know there's, that's very prevalent. I know it's happening and it's because the parents are also very overwhelmed and worried about finances and jobs and this and that and all kinds of stuff but we have to stop and we have to give our children some time and I'm not saying it takes really a, a lot a lot of time uh, little bits of quality time goes a long, long way, way with our children and right. so you know giving them a chunk of 15 minutes can make a huge difference or taking the time to make a special meal they like or uh, right. a special dessert or you know, Sit down something. while they're playing their video game and let them and tell you what them. they're doing. Yeah. Right. Explain and, it. And let them know their world is important. Yeah. We did have a question come in. How much sleep do children need? So, you know, sleep patterns kind of change as children grow, but usually it's eight to 10 hours of sleep a night because that's when children are growing. They are growing during that time. Right. And their brain needs that eight, about eight right. to 10 hours. Teenagers need more. Younger kids need more in that Oh, teenagers age. get into that thing of they don't want to get up till noon type thing, Yeah, but right? they're not going to bed till four in the morning. That's so. why. And that really is a, a problem. At noon, you're being nice because I've, I've gone to people's houses and their kids. It was 3.30 in the afternoon and they and were still, still in bed. Yeah. <laughs> true story and so yeah you know as parents you know this is the time that we have to shine very bright we have to be that beacon for our yes, kids to know it, it's okay we can talk about it we can have any feeling that we have and we can talk about all those feelings let's talk about tone of voice on the part of the parent tone of voice goes a long way so um we want to a calm, open tone of voice. Even during a meltdown or even in a teenage eruption where they're screaming and yelling at you and calling you names? So I wouldn't even, so if my teenager was screaming and yelling at me and calling me names, I wouldn't be engaging in that conversation until they could talk to me respectfully. And that would be the only way. Explain words. what would you would say? I would say, we can talk when you can talk to me respectfully. Okay. So let me know when you're ready for that. And I put it back in their lap. That's excellent. But I'm not going to get in a yelling match with that. We need to back out of things if it's getting escalated. Okay. We need to take our tone down. 
we need to set the standard. Well, we need to, yes, we need to be the example, right? And lower the tone and lower the anxiety level or, because a lot of times parents, when the kid's acting out, the parents begin to uh, just try to shout over them. Like we've made that point a couple of times tonight, but that is a common adult technique it is to try to calm some child down is to shout louder right they think it's about you know getting more aggressive and right it's yeah the most aggressive one wins the game no it doesn't work that way you're creating right. a bigger problem and so when we want our kids to calm down like we we need to do some deep breathing and get a hold of ourselves you know a few a few weeks back several weeks back one of my uh children uh, my daughter-in-law consulted you about um, almost three-year-old grandson of mine about some just some suggestions, you know, and talk. Let's go back to the transition times, because sure. you gave uh, her a very good point, And that had to do with a timer. Do you yes. want to talk about that? Sure. So you, a timer can be such an amazing <laughs> tool for for kids, especially who have anxiety or are fearful, because it gives us predictability. So I like those little timers from the dollar store that are digital and you can set it so that they know when that timer goes off, something is going to happen. So if it's, we need to transition to getting ready to brush our teeth or get ready for bed, like here's the timer. Well, I'm going to tell you as a grandparent of almost 14, 14 <laughs> actually, the last one's just about ready to be born in about two months. But I watched when I was visiting their home just a few weeks back, watched this little guy who had just turned three um, like the timer. He liked it. Because it empowers them. And and it was and the way that my daughter in law and my son are handling it is so just from your suggestion, so cool. Okay, I'm getting ready to set the timer up. In two minutes I'm setting the timer and then you'll have five minutes before it's bath time. That, that's that's what they're doing, right? Yeah. And so the, all of a sudden, oops, so two minutes, okay. And I mean, there's no screaming. There's no, I don't want the timer set. It is go over, set the timer when it goes off. And I watched it. He he would come over to me, okay, Nana, and he would hug me and tell me goodnight because he was going upstairs to have his bath and go to bed. And, and there was no like, I am not going. There was nothing like that. So, I mean, I watched the timer thing work. As a grandparent. It's powerful. So it's, talk about that a moment, because we're getting out of time here. Oh, my sure. gosh. I didn't realize we it was are. that late. Go ahead. So transition. First of all, timer. when we're using timers, we're empowering the kids, and they know what to expect. That's part of the fallout and the tantrums and the fighting is, is there's not that clear what's happening next in predictability sequence. And so we're telling them this is going to happen when the timer goes off. Right. We're giving them time to prepare themselves for the, the next step. And they're right. ready. They're ready. And they're ready for it. I mean, yeah. I mean, I never did that with my kids. I didn't even know to do it. But, I mean, I've seen it now, and it works. So, parents, that is a great technique. Absolutely. So, oh, my gosh, we are running out of time. So, we got about four minutes left. Dr. Angel, give a review or anything else you want to add that I haven't even asked you. Calm music. We didn't talk about listening to calm music. That does help. Yes, it does. And I put a plug in for Blippi. You got to... 
You have YouTube to check Blippi. out Blippi. Yeah, YouTube. So Blippi. I'll give you some a uh, few tools to when your ch- your child's having more fearful and anxiety kind of moments. So deep breathing is very good. And um, there's for some you re- or the child for both. For both, <laughs> deep breathing helps the parent calm down. And okay. Sometimes if a parent's feeling triggered, we don't have to deal with it in this moment. We can take a couple minutes to get a hold of ourselves. Um, stress balls and fidgets are very helpful for kids to squeeze and uh, play-doh slime. That's very helpful for to help them managing their um, anxiety. Sometimes counting non-sequentially will help them calm down because it's tricking their brain. Um, so just oh, random I, numbers like 7, 12, 3, repeat after me, 7, 12. Really? We're calming them back down. And so it's bringing their brains back down to baseline. Calming music. So we don't want to have that headbanging music. Like music can no. definitely. Right. Um, a coloring, drawing, those kind of predictable. Coloring. can be oh, very wow. soothing and helping to bring them down. Okay. Um, and there's lots of great, great stuff out there to help with all of this. Um, the most important thing of everything I'm going to say tonight is that it's so vital for the parent to stay calm. Exactly. I totally agree. All the responsibility is on the parent to set the tone, the yes. expectations, to stay calm, to right. make sure they're taking care of themselves so they can be there for their child, to open up the safe spaces for their child, to let their child know, I'm here and we're going to work through this together. Right. But this is the parental responsibility. Yes, 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 yes. And we will say to any of you who listened to this show later and didn't catch it live, if you have questions that you want us uh, you want to, us to address in the next couple weeks in this series, Pandemic Fallout, Put them right here on Facebook, and we'll uh, be sure and address your questions next week or the next. Absolutely, because we yes. are we're just not done with this series. There's just too much else, you know, that we need to talk about. Absolutely. Right? So, um, and if you can, you get time, go to our website, goyard2014.org. Check out some old shows. There's a lot of good stuff there. Go to podcast here on tantalknetwork.com. This show will be up on podcast in just a little while. It's also on YouTube, so you can go to youtube.com and then go to Tantalk. Radio slash Go Yard, and you'll find a lot of our shows right there on YouTube. Yes, you will. Great way to do it. And this has been Who Are You Anyway? I never I, can remember. I don't remember. I'm Dr. Uh, Angel. Dr. Angel, and I'm Mama Mac, and this is Go Yard, and we'll see you next week, God willing. Yeah, Good night. WTAN Clearwater FM 106.1 WDCF Dade City FM 102.3 WZHR Zephyr Hills FM 104.3 Listen.